my wife is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I am, I am going, you're calling yeah, me Yeah, highway patrol. Um. <laughs> like to report a murder. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan. It is our pleasure now to welcome in for his BYU Sports Nation debut. Really? The current voice of the Utah Jazz and a man who has called 10 years worth of BYU football games. Frankly, and from a personal standpoint, he, he is a, a big reason why I even got into this business. Craig Bowlerjack oh, is with us on BYU Sports Station. Craig, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, Spencer, Jerem, uh, great to, to have uh, the opportunity. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Uh, we promise no Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert questions. Is that cool? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know much. I wish I could break news right now on BYU Nation, but uh, you know what? I think things, I think things will work itself out sooner than later. That's for sure. Now, as a former linebacker at Kansas State, Big Twelve guy, and I mentioned you've called so many college football games, not just BYU. I mean, you worked extensively in the SEC. You've been to the biggest venues and called just massive college football games. You have a unique perspective about what television rights and television deals mean at the highest levels of college football. So what makes a certain school, university, or team attractive to those high-end television partners that essentially are causing these huge, huge numbers to be put out in the new TV deals? You know, Spencer, it really comes down to the fan base, in my opinion. You know, the, the 13 years I was at CBS and I called, you know, doubleheader day on, on Saturdays in the SEC, I do the early game and Vern Lundquist would do the late game. But it was all about the fan base, the eyes on the game. And I think that's where BYU comes in to play. Look, independence was one thing. And ESPN knew that it was beyond just, just Provo, Utah. It was... Uh, the church obviously is worldwide, but also West Coast, East Coast, middle of the country. Uh, that's where BYU value lies is with the eyes on the product. And I think that's, uh, you know, the same with Notre Dame, why NBC had the exclusivity with, with Notre Dame as well. So it's fan base. It's also TV ratings and how much they can charge for a commercial and also the metro areas. Now, look, Provo, Utah is still surrounded by Salt Lake City. It's all become one, kind of like Dallas, Fort Worth, right? So the, the whole Valley Corridor, uh, you know, has its eyes on BYU. And, yes, up on the hill at Utah, I mean, they've got their eyes as well. But it really comes down to, to basically, I think, uh, who's going to watch. And the other big part, I think, too, um, Jeremy and Spencer, is – the time frame, mm. where do you fit in the block of television on the day-to-day -day Saturday, Thursday night, Friday night football? Can you do a West Coast game in prime time? Absolutely. BYU fits it perfectly and always has for ESPN. And the same will hold true, I think, when they hit Big 12 uh, because they're, they're going to fit that middle time zone or late time zone, whichever they want to put them in. And the same will hold true uh, with Utah uh, if if – the Pac-12 survives, and or if Big 12 comes searching, because again, it, it puts them in a time a slot that will benefit them from that 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. window when they go triple or quadruple header day. 
on, on ESPN or ABC. What do you think of what's going on right now where we're waiting to see what happens with the Pac-12? They look, or Pac-10 in a couple years, they look like they're going to stay together. That TV deal that they're negotiating currently will tell us everything. It will. You know, I read this morning, I think it was Dennis Dodd who said something about, uh, again, the, the big the Big Ten may still pickpocket a few teams out of the Pac-12. Mostly they're looking at Cal. Look, not a great football program, but again, it's eyes. It's it's the the, the California market. Yeah. Uh, Oregon has great history. Washington as well. Uh, it's the Northwest, and there's eyes on those two programs as well. Uh, don't know if that would probably break the Pac-12, to be honest. Utah would be out looking, and I think Utah – obviously is a, uh, a, t- a team, a school that will land, I think, on its feet, whether that's Big 12. I think that's where they probably have to go is Big 12 if the Big 10 have, uh, has already kind of said, nah, not interested. So what I like about if Utah does go Big 12 is you have rivalry. And I'd say one thing, guys, that I think the chancellors, the presidents all forget. I get the money. Uh, I get it. But the bottom line to football from my eyes and what I have seen in my days at ESPN, Fox, and CBS is that the conferences are built on those rivalries. You cannot manufacture a rivalry game. It has to happen over years. It has to happen with big plays like we just saw with Utah and BYU. Uh, It has to play into coaches and relationships. Ronnie McBride and Lavelle Edwards back in the day. You know, it takes time to build these rivalries, and I hope that schools understand that, you know, the money's one thing, but you still have to deliver for the fan, and the fan likes the rivalry. Rivalry weekend is there for a reason, and I think you're losing that now when you see the Pac-12 being dissected, and that concerns me. Look, if you look at the SEC, the games I called were multiple Bama-Auburn, all right? I saw LSU-Bama. <laughs> I saw Florida, uh, and a ton of Florida uh, and the Gators, when they were in their prime with Spurrier as their head coach, and LSU as well. Um, you know, that that you cannot replicate. So my point is, if when Oklahoma and Texas, who were the powerhouses of the Big 12, depart in 24 to the SEC, I hope they'll understand that they will they will be minimal players in a title run or a conference championship for years because it's owned by Bama. It's owned by Auburn. And that's Tennessee, when I did games when Peyton Manning played, they were at the top of the heap at that particular time, but just for a short time. So my point is, hey, OU, hey, Texas, you, you were powerful, uh, powerful teams during your tenure with the Big 12, but watch out. The SEC is crowded, and it's going to be difficult to split those recruiting, uh, you know, top five of uh, those uh, five-star athletes because uh, a guy named Nick Saban has just an incredible way of grabbing the best of the best. Mac Rhodes, the athletic director of Baylor, feels like, hey, with BYU coming in and these other three teams from the American, we feel like as a conference we're going to be right back where we were collectively getting as much money in our new TV deal as we are currently right now, which is about $42 million per year. Is that about inflation or is it that more about the value that these new four teams are going to bring in? Because the idea that that per school annual revenue would remain the same, even without Texas and Oklahoma is certainly an eye opener. Are you buying into that? 
you know, there's always a way to, to sell the product, right, or to, to make it look good or, or build your conference up. But you know what? Football has a following, and it's a, it's another religion, in my opinion, guys. I mean, I, I witnessed it in the SEC when you see – and look how BYU uh, travels around the country uh, and shows up in, in stadiums on, on any given Friday or Saturday. Um you know, I think everyone's going to try to inflate their value to make them look uh, inviting in case they want to uh, go out and, and bring another team into the mix. Um, it really depends on what comes over the next couple of years. And I think, you know, network television can only do so much with advertising and it can only dictate so much in the ratings. But the streaming services in my opinion, are going to play a, a big factor. They already have, by the way, Amazon and the NFL on Thursday night. Look, Al Michaels, one of the best of the best. And, you know, they pickpocketed him uh, away. And that's going to be an interesting experiment to see if the streaming services can actually survive. Yahoo, Hulu, who am I missing? Uh, Fobu. Uh, is it Fubu or Fobu? <laughs> Sorry. Fubu are the, uh, uh, the clothes. Yeah. Okay. Um, YouTube. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, mean, guys, yep, yep. I really think, you know, the networks may get squeezed out and they're making their last stand uh, right now to to make these mega conferences and to own it. It's going to take millions. You know, the NBA is into billions and college football is popular, but they got to be careful. Don't break the success how you got there. And, you know, my biggest concern, though, and the fans will dictate this, uh, Spencer and, and Jeremiah, uh, is the fact that if they're not into those the schedule and if they've lost the rivalry, uh, I'm not sure how long that those teams or those those schools will stay that interested in the schedule. BYU, you guys know, you know, being independent for so long, you know, when I call BYU games, you could circle the games you wanted to see. Utah, Utah State, San Diego State, right? Air Force was an incredible battle each and every year. But then when BYU went independent, they lost a lot of they lost a ton of those rivalry games. And so who wanted to see Western Kentucky in November, right on a cold night uh, in, in November when ESPN put them in prime time. But, uh, you know, it wasn't the best the best game. And the stands kind of showed that at times. So be careful for what you wish, uh, in, in my opinion. I think it's a dangerous time in college football. It's interesting. It's intriguing, yes. But, boy, I tell you, when you start breaking up, you know, conferences that have longevity, success, and terrific programs and the rivalries that the fans uh, pay dearly for on a yearly basis to get those tickets, um, I know the network money sounds good, but it still comes back down to putting seats, uh, those, those fans in the seats. And I'm anxious to see how fans react to all this. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Rutgers UCLA might not be a big ratings boost. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, on paper you go, hey, I got a ticket, right? Uh, but it's not the one that's going to, you know, really put a lot of eyes. And, and honestly, I, I think uh, Spencer and, and Jeremy is, is the bottom line is, is that that will be the calling card. I mean, they'll, they'll sell tickets, but who comes? It, does it intrigue you in November? Does it have a does it have an impact on a conference standing or a conference championship, and or and I think that's or a division championship where you get a chance to play for the SEC title, right? Which then leads you into a potential national championship. Um, 
What happens to the Rose Bowl if yeah. the Pac-12 goes away? I mean, you know, Keith Jackson said it best, you know, in my Keith Jackson impersonation, you know, the granddaddy of them all, you know, and what happens? What happens to those to those long, the legacy of college football if the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl's impact goes away? You know, again, it goes back to that statement we had earlier was be careful what you wish for. The yeah. money looks good in the bank, but in reality, what are you what are you giving up um, to basically cash those checks? And it could catch up with you, in my opinion. Yeah, some thought-provoking questions brought to us by an elite play-by-play man, Craig Bowlerjack on BYU Sports Nation. Craig, we thank you for the time. And uh, who knows, maybe the Utes and Cougars are back in the same Power 5 conference at some point. That would be fantastic. I would, I'll be honest. I think it'd be great, personally. I miss the rivals, the rivalry. And look, uh, you know, there's always that edgy edge with BYU and Utah. You know, the team on the hill or, the, or that team down south. That's what it's about. It's about it's about having those rivalries intact. And you know what? I'll be honest. I know you got to go. But uh, Kansas City uh, brought in their um, uh, a, a group of people about six months ago to understand more about BYU. And I was, had a chance to talk to them, uh, their uh, Chamber of Commerce. And they were so excited to have a chance to come to Salt Lake and Provo. And I think that they were so sold and at that time unknowing about the football legacy here uh, with the Cougars and the stadium and the backdrop of the mountains. Uh, and I hope that Utah can be a part of that if, if the big, if the Pac-12 uh, dissolves because – not only do you still have the time frame, but you also have a built-in rivalry that is for real. It's not manufactured. If that happens, I think only it's a win-win situation for the schools and the fan base. You can follow him on Twitter at BuckleUpBowler. Craig, thanks for the time. Great to have you. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Next time we'll talk Mitchell, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds you, good. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Craig. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We have revenge. Payback. Oh, boy. Vengeance on the mind today as we look at the BYU football 2022 schedule and ask this question, which Jerem and I will answer shortly. What is the biggest revenge game on BYU's upcoming schedule? To me, it's Baylor because that's the only game BYU was not really in last year, uh, outmanned in that one, uh, outphysical. So I'm excited to see that matchup. Remember, too, Baylor was really good. They lost a bunch of draft picks. They had a running back that was uh, equal to Tyler Algerian yards, almost exactly the same amount of yardage. Um, it's a Big 12 preview, right, with Baylor, which is exciting. Uh, going to play them probably on the reg uh, more often. And Baylor won the Big 12. Like, they, are, they were a great team last year. BYU played multiple Power 5 champs in Utah and Baylor. Beat Utah, obviously. Did not beat Baylor. This reminds me as well of 83 and 84 that we've chronicled quite a bit on this show where in 83, BYU only loses one game. It's to Baylor. It's a one-score game. It's late. It's the season opener. BYU wins the rest of the games with Steve Young. Incredible year. 1984, Baylor comes to Provo and just gets smashed. I, I feel like with the home opener against Baylor and undoubtedly Dave McCann's flyover happening, <laughs> it will be so exciting and fun coming off a, another revenge win against South Florida, more on that in a moment, to have the Baylor Bears in town 
for a revenge game. Yeah. There's a lot there. Obviously, Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos connections uh, ring loud as well. So, to me, it's the Baylor Bears. Thankfully, Baylor's not going to bring in a star running back as well. They'll bring in some big boys up front. Sure. But not, they're not bringing in a star running back, and we're hoping that BYU brings in their own version of a star running back in Christopher Brooks, who's trying to replace Tyler Algier. I like that pick. I like that game. I like the home opener. There will be a ton of emotion. But for me, I have to go back to what was spoiled last season and why it was spoiled last season. Boise State ruined BYU's chances of making a New Year's Six Bowl game last year. Single, almost single-handedly ruined that opportunity. BYU was 5-0. and It started so well, didn't Ranked it? Ranked 10th in this game. You're a top-10 team going in. <laughs> what? Boise State was 2-2. Two and two. They were kind of meandering. We weren't really sure what they were. And we thought, oh, man, BYU's offensive line is going to pummel Boise State up front. They didn't. They absolutely did not. Granted, Jaron Hall was playing injured, and Baylor Romney couldn't play because he was concussed the week before against Utah State. Yes. So maybe if you have a healthy quarterback – BYU beats Boise State, no problem. But Perhaps credit, fumbling the ball is the real issue. Well, and Hank Bachmeyer was the real Hank difference. Hank Bachmeyer right? is the greatest quarterback in the history of this or any other planet. Boise State According cost Boise BYU State. a New Year's Six opportunity. Yeah. And the chance to go 6-0 and heading to Baylor. And so instead and of going to Baylor seven. and Waco riding that, hey, super high of six straight wins and, yeah, you're number eight or number nine in the country, now you kind of – are questioning yourselves because it's like, we just lost to a mediocre Boise State team. We kind of got to find ourselves. And Baylor took advantage of BYU. It was a two-game losing streak. But at the end of the season, Boise State cost BYU millions of dollars in a New Year's Six bowl game opportunity. Well, they paid uh, BYU back for 2019. Uh, yeah, Yeah, indeed. BYU was 2-4 and four in that game. BYU took that opportunity playing from Boise. Playing Baylor Romney, uh, playing uh, Sione Finau, playing uh, a young group. It was rainy. They were ranked 14th. They had a better shot at the New Year's Six than BYU probably did in this situation just by a little bit with G5 access. But, I, yeah, I, that's an interesting pick, too, because it's a rival. It's the way all the things you said. I'm not sure BYU beats Baylor. Do they compete better? Losers talk about margin the next week at Baylor. Maybe. But maybe. But, like, I think BYU still lose that game. Like, Baylor was better than BYU last year. But now they come to Provo. Now they've lost a bunch of guys, starting quarterback, starting running back, uh, two NFL receivers. Abram Smith, by the way, was the running back. Incredible. Uh, two yeah, safeties. Oh, no, Abram like, Smith. They lost a lot. BYU did not. BYU is in the middle of this uh, golden stretch, right, with incredible quarterback play and offensive line play and running back play and so on. So I, I, I'm convinced BYU wins the Baylor game. Uh, and maybe, I don't know if it's handily, but they win, right? Oregon is uh, the question, but yeah, Baylor, Boise State. There's a lot on this uh, on this schedule that's actually, uh, as what uh, you know, Iron Man said. We're not the Revengers. We're the Avengers. No, BYU football's B- the BYU football. Revengers. Yeah, they this might year. be the Revengers this year. Like seriously, you alluded to it with USF and a couple <laughs> of other teams in there. We've already mentioned Baylor and Boise State for very specific reasons. Those are at the top of our respective list, but we can make a case for like every team on BYU's schedule in 2022. I'm not kidding. And it starts with USF in how many days? Countdown to the Bulls. 39 days. 39 days away. Did everyone fast from yesterday to today? We're about five and a half weeks. Five and a half weeks from a game. (laughs) Not the start of fall camp. We ain't talking about practice. From a game. Okay, you mentioned it. Every every team. Let's walk through the entire schedule and why there's a revenge factor 
on each one. Okay, well, Jaron Hall leads the charge in game number one because he 100%. made his first start in Tampa in 2019 at USF. He left the game with BYU leading. He was concussed. Yes. And BYU ends up losing to a 4-8 and eight Bulls team that fired their head coach, Charlie Strong. Yeah, they and weren't the good. And the Florida curse continued. Yeah, this is a big revenge game. Jaron Hall's been thinking about this one for a long time. This was the bottoming Jaren, out, Jaron, for BYU before yes. they turned the corner against Boise State and things changed. Yes, 100%. Also, just a reminder that Jaron Hall didn't play in this game last year either Yeah. against South Florida. He hasn't had his revenge. No, no revenge for Jaron Hall. Okay, Baylor we mentioned. Oregon. Oregon is a, a revenge game because Oregon let Utah win twice last year and go to the Rose Bowl. Also, how dare you, Puddles? You got to win over Oregon this morning. If you know, you know. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Don't let the Utes go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, there's some payback there. Also, if you want to go back to 1990, Oregon handed Ty Detmer and BYU their first loss that season when the Cougars were ranked as high as number four. Well, I got to call out my parents. Uh, I was six, living in Portland. They did not take me to Eugene to the game. Mom, I love you, but that was a miss. Game number four, BYU hosting Wyoming. Now you think, well, why Wyoming? BYU beat Wyoming in the poinsettia. Because Wyoming. Week. Because you're Wyoming and you made, you had the audacity <laughs> to make BYU ever have to travel to Laramie, okay? Like, because you how dare you? in Laramie. <laughs> okay. Utah State. Uh, because Aggies, also because they think their creamery is better than uh, BYU. So. Those are fighting words. That, <laughs> those them, are fighting words. Them is fighting words. Oh, your creamery. You put your creamery up against BYU's Listen, creamery. when your number one on. argument is the creamery, We've already won. <laughs> okay. Hey, game number six, Notre Dame. This oh. is obvious. Oh, this, so much, yes. thanks, thanks for playing in Provo, Notre Dame. How dare you? The this, revenge is because BYU now has to go to Las Vegas and play a road game with majority Notre Dame fans in Allegiant State. Well, at least the tickets were cheap. But I, I, <laughs> I, I love that BYU got this game and got paid, okay, period. But, yes, there is some rancor mm -hmm. with this situation sure. with the fans. You want to go back I, to, I totally get it. You want to go back to actual games? Well, Notre Dame beat BYU in 2012 and 2013, too. Yes. 90, so so the, that's looming as well. <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> now, you think Ar BYU has no tie with Arkansas. No ties. They so we're good, right? Arkansas, they're coming to Provo. No, no, this is a revenge game. Now, you're associated with Tennessee, and Tennessee hosed the BYU. SEC, yes. Also, only Mississippi State has ever come here. Now you will draw the ire and rancor of BYU for being associated with Tennessee. By the way, this, this game scares, uh, scares me to death because it's coming on the heels of Notre Dame. Well, we'll I, have I, our... I, am, I am scared of the emotional output that BYU is yeah. going to put into that game. That This is a trap okay. game. Yeah, this is a trap and game. And we'll have you, – see, you bring – I like superlatives. We'll, we'll discuss this leading up to the season. Yes. The quote-unquote scariest game, most nerve-wracking game. Biggest trap game. Biggest game. Sneaky. Uh, yes, yeah, I think we've done game. the sneakiest best game. Yes, we'll best do. road trip. We'll do all of that. Yes. Okay. Hey, Liberty. Liberty is a revenge game for claiming to have a more strict honor code than BYU. <laughs> well, BYU-Idaho probably has that. You can't even wear shorts on campus. But, yes, no, we have a stricter honor code than you. East Carolina. Hopefully not. M merely, Jerem, for being the oh. first of the inexplicable losses for BYU in 2017 in the Cougars' worst season in 50 years. They gave up 50 points a game and 600 yards going into that game. BYU scored 16. 19? 19. BYU Brigham. scored 19 that game? I don't care. BYU lost. Yeah, that they didn't was, score enough. That, that one hurts. Okay, we already mentioned Boise State. Yep, the Bachmeyer game. Okay, 
I think about my... Utah Tech, uh, frankly, you make it complicated to know what your school name actually is. The, well, like, now we do, but it was Polytech after Dixie. And, uh, why'd you make it complicated? Uh, why Stanford, though? And then, Well, Stanford is for nabbing all this LDS talent uh, that, uh, okay. that, that BYU We got one back! Wanted. Houston Haymooley. We got one We got back. one back! Yes, we did. <laughs> Maybe more in the future. He's going to score the game-winning touchdown. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> He's going to get so much love, though. Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Bill Connolly tweeted a newspaper clipping. If you're under 25, you don't know what that is. From 1993 with a projection from Mike Kern of the Daily News on what college football expansion may look like. It had BYU and Colorado headed to the Pac-10. What does the world look like with BYU in the Pac-12, not Utah in expansion? I can't even fathom that alternate universe, Jim. In the 90s like that. Because BYU was never a fit for the Pac-10 at the time based on what BYU stands for and... It was on the field. But on the field, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it made sense on the on the football field, athletically, but everything else, it was just like, it just didn't fit. And so I always kind of, as a teenager, more pushed BYU to the Big 12. It's like, yeah, BYU, put BYU in the Big 12. I've always felt that way. I wish it weren't that way, but man, in that alternate universe, it'd have been, it'd have been fun for BYU to be in the Pac-10 for the last you know, 30 years, right? That would have been fun. There would have been a lot of uh, epic games with random teams. And Re I mean, obviously, renewing rivalries with Arizona and Arizona State, which were old WAC partners. Yeah, whatever with those. Guys. Utah gets invited in, and that rivalry continues in 2011. Like, it'd, well, it'd be do, fun. Do they expand and even invite Utah? Who knows? Right? Yeah, do, is that do what keeps Utah to? out? So is, is is that what you're thinking? Like, if BYU is there, Utah doesn't they, get in? Would they have needed to expand at all? Interesting. I don't know. Interesting. ESPN's Chris Lowe released his 2022 college football schedule superlatives and awarded BYU most interesting schedule. Is this the most interesting schedule of BYU's independence era? I did like 2013 a lot at Wisconsin, at Notre Dame. There were seven power fives on that schedule and all, one in a bowl game. That was pretty interesting. Texas was on that schedule. Texas as well, right? Um, I do like this one, though, because you have SEC in Provo for just the third time ever, second team ever. You have Notre Dame, Vegas. You have Baylor and Oregon. You have Stanford. Like, you still have Boise State and Utah State. I think this year's pretty interesting. Perhaps it is the most interesting. It is interesting, and I feel like it's the most balanced independent schedule that BYU yeah. has had. Only took 12 years. <laughs> there's, there's been... There's been imbalance in a good way. Like last year was imbalanced in a good way for sure. BYU playing Vegas, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and so on. Like that was good. That helped BYU get out to a strong start. Sure. I mean, BYU still got a couple of big time games in September, but those are bookended by an opener at USF, and then you have Wyoming and Utah State. BYU and so it's lose. not four straight power fives to open the season. The first five games, BYU leaves the, the state twice, but one of those is Vegas. So it's pretty favorable. For yeah, BYU. I like the balance. It, it is very interesting. It's eclectic. You have a little bit of everything in it. As there. all things should be, balance. All right. Big 12 Theory put out this graphic showing the average percentage of home capacity at football games in the new Big 12 last year. You had 97.1%, which is impressive. Good enough for fourth place. Should BYU fans be proud of that number, or do you feel like the room for improvement is to focus? 
This is fine. Number four is fine. Considering what Cincinnati was last year, Cincinnati went to the college football playoff. They were unbelievable. They're their best team The last ever. two so, years they were in the Yeah, they were selling out every game, yeah. not shockingly. Baylor were the Big 12 champs, Sugar Bowl champs. Also amazing, so not a shocker that they were 99%. Iowa State, there's not much else to do in Ames. Ames is a great college. That doesn't, that doesn't Ames mean a, you just Ames show up. Ames is a though. great college town, and they rally around that university. Ames is a great college town, so not shocked to see that. Fourth is fine. Like third or fourth, great. Of course, BYU wants to be 100% home capacity every game. Maybe the Big 12 pushes them back up there. We'll see. Capacity percentage is overrated. BYU had more fans than all these clowns, okay? In, the total in, number of Yes, because if we did this with basketball, St. Mary's would be number one. Or Gonzaga would. But Sell then out. St. Mary's. But the gym, small. No, BYU uh, prides itself on having a massive stadium and filling it largely. That's fine with me. It's the Big 12, hopefully there'll be less 8-15 games as well, which factors into this. I call these guys clowns. They're about to be our brothers in arms. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like, yes, let's go. You're about to play late night, Bravo. Let's go. CBS Sports ranked the top athletic programs of the 2021-2022 athletic calendar year. And BYU at number 17 overall. Was this last year an anomaly, or should we get used to this? Is this the new norm for BYU being a top 20 overall athletic program? The hope is that it's the new norm, uh, and that BYU can sustain this. Uh, you know, historically and statistically, it was probably an anomaly, but I think we think that BYU can keep this up to some degree. Is BYU going to produce national champs individually in track and field and cross country every year? We hope so. We hope men's basketball can get better. Um, will That's women's soccer thing. go to the college cup every year? No. Last year was the first time, but we hope, hey, you build off that. But men's volleyball will be better, too. Men's volleyball was uh, pretty bad last year. It was a rebuild, right? Um, so, yeah, BYU's athletics always pretty good. The hope is that BYU can approximate or exceed this here soon. More sure. Yeah, what teams do we expect to have a drop-off? Not many. Not Maybe many. women's soccer. Maybe soccer. Yeah. Not many. Women's volleyball, we expect sweet to Exactly. Exactly. Right? And we expect basketball to be better. Women's hoops keep going to the tournament. Yep. Okay, Jim Fredette and uh, the money team play in the second round of the basketball tournament tonight. Over under 29 and a half points for Jimmer. Oh, I think that Jimmer's gonna be a little more generous, so I'm gonna go 28. 28 points for Jimmer. Jimmer, be a little more selfish. Bachio Gewo, that's uh, Chinese for pass me the dang ball. You like him, okay. you like him for 30 tonight? I like him for 30 plus. 30, yeah. 30 spot. Go. Put it up. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. I just brought it up. Which matters more to you when you're thinking about a new television deal for your beloved BYU Cougars and the Big 12 Conference? Is it about access to those teams, specifically the channels that those games will be presented on, Fox, ESPN? Or has it become more about, well, what will they pay my beloved school and the Big 12 Conference? Is it more than the Pac-12? That's what matters most. What do you think, Jerem? What's more important to you? Which channels you can watch BYU games on, or is it all about the Benjamins? Well, let's talk through this. So, obviously, the access to see the games matters to BYU fans. Big fan base, national, world fan base, which is awesome. We, we know that. We've seen it. We love it. Uh, but also, if BYU can get you know more TV money, obviously, then it's been getting. They will. It's just whether it's like 
three times as much or like eight times as much or whatever mm -hmm. in that range mm -hmm. is does that mean BYU can hang in the arms race more and will they get better talent which means better product on the field do we equate the TV contract with success on the field in that way if you're Maryland and Rutgers it doesn't really matter like that doesn't translate in the same way that maybe we think BYU would. I think BYU can get better talent if it has okay. more TV money. Granted, everyone in the league is going to get that amount starting in 2025. A reminder of the existing deal, BYU will get about half in the first two years, and then they will have a new TV contract that kicks in in 25. They will have a full share. And the current so deal right now is $42 million per year per school. So BYU is expecting 20-ish million dollars for the first two years. Which we anticipate that's three or four times what BYU has been getting. Something like that. It might just be twice. An not, upgrade, no doubt about it. Upgrade, for sure. Uh, I, I think it's the money, I think. And I think it's probably both, because I believe that the traditional linear channels like an ESPN, a Fox, or a CBS will be the ones that have the biggest bid anyway. I don't see Amazon Prime or Netflix or Apple TV Plus coming in uh, off the, uh, from the upper ropes with a deal that's like bigger. I, I just don't necessarily see that in the future for the Big 12 per se. And we're talking primarily about uh, primary and secondary rights, yes. meaning First, first rights, second rights. BYU we've tr traditionally been a tertiary or third rights holder. We'll do the games of the first and second pass on, if you will. In men's basketball for the WCC, it's ESPN, it's CBS Sports, and then it's BYU TV. So that's a little peek behind the curtain. I think it's the money because I think it's probably those traditional channels anyway. If I told you the Big 12 signed a primary deal with CBS and CBS Sports and subsequently Paramount Plus, its streaming provider, I'm not bugged that much. I can watch the games in 2022 pretty easily. You can find them much more easily yeah. than when BYU opted for the Mountain and Versus back in 2006, right? It's not going to be difficult to find the game. You're not going to have Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN College Game Day saying, now it's going to take you a little bit to find the game. Like mocking the But party. it should be a good game. Yeah, those days are gone. And with the streaming rights, I could see a deal where I mean, Amazon or Google or whatever comes in and they do like a Thursday night game or like not your typical Saturday game where they're just trying to like isolate an audience on the uncommon weeknight, a Thursday night, Friday night situation. So I could see them getting involved with a new deal that way, but I'm with you. It's going to be Fox. It's going to be ESPN. It'll be CBS. And I think it's going to be, as far as the Big 12 goes, similar money. And I'm not the only one. I mean, Baylor's athletic director, Mac Rhodes, feels very confident that even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, that the new Big 12, with the four teams coming in, will have at least the $42 million per year that will match what they're making right now. That feels crazy to me. Which is, whoa, right? That feels crazy. I, I mean, you want to talk why about, would, like, coming off the top rope? Yes. Like, here comes Baylor's AD off the top rope with that number, right? Why would it stay the same with the two biggest brands gone? Like, that doesn't make any logistical sense Well, is whatsoever. it just because of inflation and because things are becoming more expensive? Like, per perhaps. Because if Texas and Oklahoma State, if they're already at $42 million, those brands are worth more. The television rights are getting bigger and bigger. Maybe it would have been so $60 been million per year. Yeah, who knows? 42 would be amazing. And, and uh, yeah, trust me. So to answer your question, yeah, I'm talking all about money. To me, yeah, it's more about the money. Because it's I'd, going to be easy to find the channel. Yeah, now, well, the channels are not going to be different. Yes, and, and also, like, if you're a little older and you're not using streaming services traditionally, you know, get someone to help you find it because it's not terribly difficult. You can find it. It's out there, right? And part of the BYU audience is, uh, you know, wanting to make sure they can find the game in that way. It's going to be all right either way. BYU is about to get paid, dog. Back the Brinks 
truck up because BYU is going to get paid either way. Now, it's a new paradigm too, right? Because like these schools are like, well, you could be making a hundred million a year per team. Like if you were if you were in the Big Ten or the SEC, you're not going to be in those. BYU is coming from a position where they weren't even close to half of what the Big 12 is making this year, right? BYU jumping to 21 million per year. We think BYU is in the what eight to 12 range. It's it's not. I mean, a public, that's not confirmed. They don't have to reveal a, that information. They, they don't have to. Um, yeah, we think BYU's in that range, right? We think they're at least doubling they're what they're double, used to. They might quadruple. Like, so, so what does this mean? This means you can keep up in the arms race somewhat with facilities. And what BYU does unique uh, from a business standpoint is they don't actually build stuff until they have that money. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, no, we know we're going to get it. We'll start building it. No, they raise the money, and then they raise money to take care of the building for like 10 years in perpetuity. Well, in perpetuity means forever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's what they did with the annex. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it took, a, it took a minute to get all that money. Um, but listen, BYU's got money. Like, let's not act like they don't. They bought Y Mountain. They bought Provo High. Mm-hmm. They're building a new uh, HVAC, Harris Fine Arts Center. There's another building that's, that's similar to the HVAC that's almost done under construction. BYU's got money. Yes. It's not an issue. Like, the, the, the arms race is interesting because I do wish BYU would have a little more high-end. BYU does have good stuff and high-end stuff. I want it all high-end. Because if this is really what we think it is relative to sort of messaging for the church and, and uh, what, what the PR of like who BYU is, why not, why not field the best possible team you can with incredible NIL deals out there in the, in the amazing Utah County, continue to build the facilities up there, get the best talent who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other great fits, which, of which there are many, and now... You are uh, this huge brand that we all love and adore with BYU, where you really make an impact, not only in the Big 12, but in the country, and you uh, positively affect people in this community and elsewhere. Now you're talking, but it takes dollar bills. Yes, and it's not a fast process at BYU. You brought up it can be. Provo High School. Maybe it's a faster process make with the Big faster. 12 financial bump. We think make it, it will faster. be. Yeah. You brought up the Provo High School property. I feel like that's the sleeping giant. What are they going to do with I that? feel like we that is the sleeping know. giant. Yes. If you want to like upgrade athletics facilities and like build new stuff, that's where you do it. Like the across science, the street from the indoor practice facility. Like the science department's like, no, we want it. I feel like that's the sleeping giant for athletics is the Provo High School property. What if they just use it as is? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? They played a spring football game over there before. And you want to know, I mean... On the football field. It's a nice turf field. To answer the question, petty BYU fan, and there are many, (laughs) there are many when it comes to comparing BYU to rivals, specifically, Utah. And and rival conferences. There is a rival conference. The Pac-12. The Pac-12. It's become the rival conference. It's become about, well, as long as the Big 12 makes more money per school than the Pac-12 is making... Per school. What do we need? Then we're good. What do we need? One dollar? Then we're good. Do we need now, one we million ma- more? We make more money per school than in our conference than you guys. Like, that's what it's become. I wonder what that's going to look like. Because we're going to know the Pac-12 TV deal here in the next Listen, month just seek you out the think. West Virginia bloggers. They'll tell you everything you need to know about the they new Pac-12 deal. Everything they know everything. Said no one. It's been reported by the West Virginia bloggers, $24.5 million per school, upwards of to 30 to 35 those guys, right? They know. <laughs> that number is going to be lower than you want it to be. But it's uh, compared to others. But it's right. No, I'm sorry. I'm saying they're talking about the Pac-12. Oh, like, right, right, right. So if but, Mac Rhodes is right, Baylor's that, AD, then well, Big 12, yeah. I hope it's that big. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised. We'll that's a, that's a, certainly Mac knows more than I do. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. For the time being, uh, yeah, we're in this cavernous, open, awesome area. And it is awesome. We're filling it up with more awesomeness because we now welcome in one of our all-time favorites, national champion quarterback, dual threat analyst. He is Uncle B, Blaine Fowler. Welcome back What's to up, BYU bro? USN. Good to see you guys. Hey, I'm excited. I don't know if you guys know this, but they hired me as an interior designer to design the new for studio B. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, all over. I thought it. It I'm not worried. I'm all over it. No, I'm the one with all of the taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried. So when, when you guys well, get in I'm there, worried. you're going to be. Blown Are you away. consulting with your wife Brenda though? Because that matters. Yeah, I ask her stuff. Well, okay. It is a little bit of a concern that I'm doing all the design and I am colorblind. So that's <laughs> that's a bit of a problem. Mild issue there. That's the question about is Brenda yeah. consulting? So Brenda consults no on colors like textures and. Design and all that, like I'm money. You're on it. Okay. When it comes to color, I'm like, hun, what color is that? Did the so, pink? And slash by the way, every day that I get dressed, I, I have to go ask her, does this go with this? And she looks. Sometimes she just goes, no. That's every <laughs> like, man. Like, That's like, every man, like, Blaine. Not just, not just no, but, oh my gosh, no. Like, how can you, even, <laughs> can you not see colors? I'm like, no, I cannot see them. So, you can't go argyle with argyle with Shepherd. emphatic no. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like a disgusted no. So. <laughs> okay, so you've got strong arm game. I want you to break down yes. Spencer's flex here oh, boy. from the ping oh, pong yeah. tournament. I've heard I heard oh, about I heard about the flex. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, but oh, pretty good, right? Not size-wise. <laughs> He's making progress. Uh-huh. That's um, what. That's where okay, we want to be. See the right arm. See that little vein that's coming across the forearm uh, and yes. attaches uh-huh. down to the fold of his arm. Yeah, that's good. That's a sign he's been working. He's okay. getting a little more. The, vein, the veins. The sign. The little little vein thing is doing good. But <laughs> what about what, what about the overbite here? What and that I don't. It looks. It looks like. Here's the thing. You got to make it look effortless. <laughs> it was like a half flex with, with the with the that's T half? thing. Can I flex for thing? real? Is that better? Okay, that looks better. Is that better? Nice. With the okay. tooth thing, it makes it look like it's too much effort. It has to look easy. Mm. And then and then the other thing is, we're, we're, I'm gonna work on some definition with them. We got to do a little more okay, high right, reps, right. and we're gonna do some flush sets. We're gonna do buddy curls, and because we're gonna get that peak to come out in his bicep with the buddy curls. Mm. And buddy curls are like we just stand right across each other with a curling bar, mm-hmm. and I just do as many as I can do. I hand it to you, do as many, and we just keep mm-hmm. handing it back and forth for like six sets. Till you get so pumped up, then when you do this, okay. it's nothing. Then it looks like a blank. Nice. It's effortless. <laughs> and the veins are just, they're just popping out. Working. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Well, thanks I, I may be colorblind, but I, but I can tell vascularity and peak biceps. Like nobody. <laughs> you can see. Like no nobody. That's good. So. We've discussed more vascularity than I ever thought we would in the history. There's of so program. much <laughs> vascularity. See, like we can get more, we, we can peak those biceps up. And make it look easier. I think we're going to be in better shape, <laughs> and then and then we're going to get him. We're going to get him cut a little bit too with a little more wow. high rep work. So sounds like uh, a lot of work. Do you want to know what though? Not bad actually. It's like I hadn't it, seen. Is it him. good or is it not bad? It's 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 good. Tell me what it is. Not it's not great. It's, it's not it's, great. It's good. It's good. It's but remember, good is the enemy of great. It's true. I don't know who said that. Was that Jack Welch from GE? It was probably. Somebody said good is the enemy of great. Just say Winston Churchill. You don't want to be satisfied with no. good. Spencer's no. looking for great. I don't want eight to nine wins for BYU football. No. I want 10 plus. I want great. Well, it depends what year we're talking about. Yeah. If it's next year, I would take. I'll take nine. Eight. No, I'll take nine. Year. Eight to me is a little disappointment. I'll take if nine. BYU wins 11 games this year, I will hire Blaine as my personal trainer. That will happen. Mm. You don't even need this to hire expensive. me. <laughs> Just show up with me. Okay, fair enough. So. Done. Uh, we're excited because there are a number of things happening. Not only are you here to help us out on BYU Sports Nation, but you're here to promote the season premiere of yes. After Further Review. 
And what people need to realize is when we premiere this, that means we're on the doorstep of fall camp. We're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Football season's here. 39 that, days that, for the first That's game. what it signals to us, and that's what it should signal to everyone else. We're ready to start doing previews. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take a look back. And we're going we're gonna to highlight every game of the season last year for Tyler Algier and talk about what a magical year it was and the impact that he had on this program. It was phenomenal. Uh, and you know what the, the fun part is, is here we are really early in NFL camp. NFL camp's just getting going. And already Tyler's getting a lot of run with the media in Atlanta. They're already talking about could he be the most impactful rookie running back in the league this year. Um, and so, so I think it's great timing to talk about Tyler. And everybody needs to watch him. And, and the thing about, about Tyler is he works like a crazy man behind the scenes. He's phenomenal talent, but he's the most quiet, humble guy. And I think the play that, that illustrates more than any play who he is is the play against Arizona State where he, he just instinctively ran down the, the man intercepted the ball, knocked it out. Zach recovered – or not Zach, uh, uh, Jaron recovered it. But then the reaction of Tyler after that. Do you guys remember what he did? Nothing. Got he, ready for the He just walked play. off. He's like, he oh, went no, to the huddle. Like, okay, let's go. It's let's like, go. yep. Yeah. That's what I was supposed to do, therefore I did it. Now we got the ball back, let's go back to work. That's Tyler Algier in a nutshell. So we're so excited to kind of celebrate him in the show, the show tonight. So If he's not great, BYU probably goes 8-5. and five. Like, oh, if he yeah. was good, 8-5. and five. Yeah. It took him to beat Utah State mm -hmm. and Washington State almost single-handedly. Yeah, it was he's – and remember, good is the enemy of great. He was great. That's I how think BYU Winston Churchill said yeah. that. That's crazy. Well, is that? I don't know who said it. Anybody that wants to tweet at us and tell us who said good is the enemy of great, because I don't know. I, yeah. I know I need to credit somebody for that statement, but I don't remember. It's Listen, you don't want to be this. It's a you want to be this. Actually, that's looking. You, you've made some progress since that picture for Pete's <laughs> sakes. He's over here pumping so. like while we're doing the interview. <laughs> uh, good is the enemy of great is a book by Kurt Reese uh, Peoples. So there you go. Okay, very it's a good. book title. I, I believe in the statement. I don't know about the whole book. I can't, yeah. I can't recommend the book because I don't know it, but the statement I agree with. It's not Blaine approved. Okay, uh, our question of the day, biggest revenge game for BYU. There's a lot of games that have an element yeah. of this revenge. This is part of the path to greatness, yeah. handling the revenge games. No, and you, got, you guys, you, you covered uh, is here in studio listening as you guys went through. And there, there's a lot of reasons to get motivated for multiple games this season. I think, I think South, you started with South Florida. The fact that it's just the first game is big, right? And it's, it's on the road, and when they were on the road down there, I think that Jaron in particular has a chip on his shoulder about this game. He wants to come out and go, yeah, you knocked me out. Let me show you how you get knocked out as Mama a Mama's going to knock right? you out. You're, you're gonna, it's going to be a two-punch fight, me punching you, your head punching the floor. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> and so, a two-punch fight. Yeah. And so he's I – think, I think for him it's, it's a big game. Yeah. And it's a first game, so it's big for everybody. Um, you know, the last time they played, they won. It seemed like it was a little bit of a struggle. But remember, it was coming on the heels of multiple big games. And I think BYU kind of sure. uh, took a breath and just did what they needed to do. Jaron didn't even play right, last year right. in the game. And I, and I think so, so it's closer than probably those two teams were last year. They've got a ton of talent. That's a, that's a big one. I agree. Baylor, I think, because this is – I feel like Baylor's going to be a longstanding rival. And because it's the only team that really physically beat BYU up last year and BYU was shorthanded in that game so I think they go into that one thinking we need to prove to everybody in the Big 12 that we're at the same level as these guys and we can in the trenches stand stand man to man and, and beat up these guys and I think Baylor loses some real key people especially in the back seven of their defense so I think it's a game BYU can win I think that's really important but I don't when we're talking about rankings I don't think it's close I think Boise State oh, is man. the game and there's just so many reasons for that 
not only did they lose, and it's recent, so there's recency that, that like, it's last year, right? And it's a game where BYU beat the heck out of them all over the field, outgained them, ran the ball. Like, they did everything they're supposed to do to win except for the big, big stat that I think is more important than any other in football, minus four in turnover turnovers. Turnovers, right? And they just kept putting the ball on the ground and giving them short fields. And, and so, so, in my opinion, that was a giveaway game. Those hurt more than the Baylor, the Baylor game last year. You go back and look at the film and you go, oh, man, just – we weren't where we were supposed to be. We got pushed around a little bit. We didn't execute this. That's a really good football team. They were, man, how good are they in the secondary? Wow, how good is their how good are their backers? Wow, how physical are they up front? We've got to get better to beat them. Then you go back and watch the Boise State film and you go, what the heck were we doing in that game? How the heck do we lose that game? That football team is not as good as our football team and haven't been. But they had Hank Bachmeyer, Blaine. And Hank's Hank's a good quarterback. He's a good player. But but BYU let them into that game with turnovers. Yeah. And it wasn't like, hey, all of them were these giant hits that separated people from the ball. They were careless with the football. And so, and it's recent. It's last year. You guys have already outlined how much it cost to BYU. Could be millions of dollars because that, that could have been the difference to being a New Year's Six. And You're nine. looking at 11 and 1. Right. With the only loss to Baylor. Let's not yeah, talk the, pack, about it. the Big 12 champs. So, an acceptable I, I think loss. that that one, and yeah. now add on to that, they're not going to play him. All right, you've answered all the tough questions, Blaine. Now we'll let you prepare for after further review, and it's going to be a doozy tonight. We'll get ready. We're going to do before um, Nick's and I are going to do buddy curls. <laughs> nice. So that we look Jack. <laughs> you always did. No, we were going to do it with McCann, but it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> because if there's nothing there that you can actually pump up, it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> oh. that's, that's, I'm never going to hear the end of that We one. love Dave. Sometimes I say mean things that I shouldn't. Yeah, the host control. <laughs> 7 Eastern on the Bureau TV app. <laughs> Buddy Curl. Oh, oh, Blaine, great to have you with us. Thanks, man. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. I am Jerem Jordan, teamed up with the guy who apparently had an encounter on the road with uh, BYU receivers coach Fessy Satake. His name is Jason Shepard. Yeah, look, uh, I- I'm a little surprised. I'm, I'm just minding my own business getting on the I-15, and, and somebody cuts me off. I, I, I don't quite understand. I didn't think much of it. And then all of a sudden, I, I happened to see this tweet from, from Fessy Satake. Okay. If you would allow me, I, I would actually like to read it because uh, he puts this out as a, as a PSA, or for those that don't know, a, a public service announcement. So if you will, maybe, may I read the PSA? It's an hour-long show. We have time. Okay, let's do this. The lights before you get on the freeway are called ramp metering lights. Some say one vehicle per green, some say two. Pay attention before you honk at someone and flip them off. (laughs) Hopefully, the wonderful young lad who did that today sees this post. If you do, Jesus loves you. For the record, it was it was not me. It was not th- th- you. Th- this, oh, okay. that, it was not me. Also, you being called young is awesome. Okay, I, I love okay. that. That was uncalled yeah. for. What? Uh, you that, look so young. Uh, but no, You're it, fit, it, dude. It was <laughs> it was not me on the freeway. But I think that we, is funny, and I can relate. We all can relate to because when it's going two, through. I go, hey, it's two, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's me speaking out loud to myself, driving, obviously. Uh, sometimes when it's one, it's two. 
right? <laughs> no, no, was that, is that not? Is that not Did a I thing? overstep my bounds? Do, well, who's going to govern that? You're just like, yep, I'm going to. I'm just upset. Oh, just, I thought I saw two. I'm just mad when they're on. Because you they're not they're on, on all the time. Yes. It's obviously during certain times of the day. Yes. Uh, every time I say, I'm like, ah. You hate when they're on. I hate when you it know, makes me stop. You know what? You know yeah, what? Yeah, I'm fine with just the natural flow of traffic stopping me. But for whatever reason, when I see the red go on, it gets me mad. Like, well, you don't like red. Well, but that's for, for other reasons. Except for the Chiefs. But, uh, like, merging out of the carpool lane when it's a solid line, yeah. I do not care. I'm like, I'm out of here. My wife is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I am, I am going, you're calling yeah, me Yeah, highway patrol. Um. <laughs> like to report a murder. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. All right, a 16-team playoff has been discussed this week at Big Ten Media Days. Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith told ESPN the proposal for 16, quote, just seems to be out there, and quote, you can't ignore it. Jason. How often would you expect BYU to be in a 16-team playoff? Should it go that direction? First of all, I love how it was always 12. 12 is the number. Now, all of a sudden, like, 12. Who cares about 12? It's all about 16. This is an interesting question because the more I thought about it, my answer started to sway. And, and look, my my initial reaction was – because we were having this conversation yesterday. Mm -hmm. And you said, how often would you expect – would it be crazy for BYU to be in the college football playoff under a 16-team format once in 10 years? And I, I, when you said that, I thought, well, no, of course not. I'm like, in fact, I don't think it's insane to think once every five years, BYU could be in that situation. Mm, and look, and, okay. and maybe I'm looking at recency bias and because I think we all have a tendency to do that. But just in the last two years, BYU would have finished in the top 16. So why would we think that once in five years would be so crazy? Certainly, once in 10 years, I think, is absolutely an achievable goal. Is once in every five an aggressive goal or an aggressive expectation? Probably, but I don't think it's crazy when you look at the fact that in 20 and 21, if we were in a 16-team format, BYU finished inside the top 16. So I don't think it is this outlandish statement that people would scoff at and say that has no chance of happening. Yeah, and once in every five would be awesome. I would love that. And you're right, the last two years have been special uh, in terms of what BYU's been able to do, which is be 10-2 and two or 10-1 and one at the end of the regular season. Again, before you at us, uh, it's got to be at the end of the regular season, not the final poll. And Correct. we're using AP because the college football playoff poll doesn't, uh, you know, well, they go end of regular season, right, in, in championship games. So, um, yes, once every five feels feels a little aggressive, but I also wonder, too, okay, in the Big 12, how do things change? Like, what what's BYU like? It can, BYU, can BYU go 10-2 and two or better in the Big 12 in the regular season once every five years? That's the question. And because that 10 is important. That 10 is important because there's no single-digit win BYU team that – that is in the top 25 even uh, at the end of regular seasons or through the two act championships, right? 96-98, of course the 96 team was. But our stat of the day tells us a little bit about how many times have you always been in the top 16 uh, in a long time? Hit it. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, BYU's finished the regular season inside the AP top 16 six times since 1985. 
six times. Okay, 21 and 20 you mentioned. 09, 15. 96, fifth. Um, and uh, 90, 13th. And 85, ninth. We're talking about six times. Let's say the playoff had been 16, right? Um, and then here's the other thing that complicates this conversation. AQs, automatic qualifier. If AQs are yes. happening, yes. and let's say, so when Utah plays in the 04 Fiesta, the Big East champ is Pitt, and they're ranked like 19th. They're not good. What if that happens with um, a conference? And it wouldn't happen with the Big Ten and the SEC. What, it hap what if it happens with the, uh, the Pac-10, if you will, or whatever they are? The Pac-2. Or, or even the Big 12. Like, maybe you want it because then you're the next team in there. But that could affect things. Is a G5 given automatic access like it kind of has been in the BCS and New Year's Six era for a while? That, that all complicates it, too, because then maybe, maybe you're 15th, but, sorry, two t the last two teams are out because you weren't an, a an AQ went in there, dot, dot, dot. I, I would hope BYU would get in there once every five years. would be awesome because that's a team that you're talking about that's, like, pretty stinking good for BYU Absolutely. Standards. To be 10-2 and two or better, last year, BYU would have been in it, like you mentioned. 2020, unique season, BYU's in position, which is great. We hope that's the new norm and that this sort of on-ramp of tougher independent scheduling, despite my clamor for not doing it, will prepare BYU to be in a better spot in the Big 12 moving forward should the playoff get to that point. Now, if it gets to that point, that'd be fun. Are you in favor of a 16-team playoff, by the way? Yeah, because it does dilute the regular season somewhat. It, it does, but but it, it enhances the postseason. At the end of the day, as I, I don't know if you've uh, been following things, but money is kind of an important <laughs> part of this discussion. Sorry, what? And if if they go to again, like I said, we all thought there's no chance they're going to get any more than twelve. So if we can just get to twelve, things will be good. But now all of a sudden, twelve is so is so last year. And twelve and, would be tough for BYU. You yes, got, you got to go. You got to go eleven and one, and then you probably need to win the conference championship. Look, I, I am definitely in favor of of playoff expansion, and if sixteen is an option, I don't have a problem with it. I still think that it allows it to be special enough. It's it's not like like the current bowl system where everybody has a bowl game. The just bowl, an exhibition. Bowl games are not special anymore. They're just not. It's just a, a non-conference game. Yes, exactly. So in, in I, I'm in favor. Location. The point you brought up about the AQs, though, is really, really important. And it's, it's part of the criteria that we just don't know about. Yeah. We certainly expect there to be AQs in the scenario. I, I, I just can't imagine the SEC and the Big Ten not making sure that there are certain qualifiers that get multiple teams in. Now, now if there are multiple, if, if you have a conference that has multiple AQs, that's when you really get into a problem. Oh, if they're doing division champs yeah. instead of just that's, conference champs? Yeah, so Oh, because of size. Because of size, okay. then then you're then you're in trouble. But because we've seen this, we see this in the NFL all the time where, you know, when you win a division, if your division is horrible, but you win the division, you're leapfrogging over somebody who had a better record than you and a better season than you to get into the postseason. You're hosting a wild card yeah. game against a and, better and team. So you, you'd see that type of thing playing out where you have some AQs that maybe aren't as good as other teams that, that didn't qualify for the AQ. So maybe AQ shouldn't be in it. Well, But, but I just but, don't see any scenario where they're going to sign off on it without AQs. And in all likelihood, probably... Who are you referring to? The SEC and the Big Ten. I, th I think uh, they're going to be just fine either way. I, I, I do, but I think they're yeah. going to want... I'm going to want a guarantee. They're, and that's, that's what they're going to want. They don't need a guarantee. They'll just be in it. 
because they they'll have. But a they're going to stack the deck. Whether they know they're right. going to be in it, they're going to make sure that there is team. a in writing that they're going to get in regardless. And they can control uh, exactly how this goes. The Big Ten and the SEC <laughs> yeah. are the most powerful players in the college football conversation. Okay, back to Brigham Young. So if if uh, you know in the Big Twelve, BYU enters the Big Twelve. How often do you feel like BYU is going ten and two or better? Are you're hoping it's once every five years? Yeah, you're hoping you're, you're hoping that it's at least you know once every five years. That seems to me, again, it's an aggressive expectation, but. Based and off we're not of, talking goal, we're talking expectation. Yes, based goal off, is every year. Based every off year. of the trajectory, I think this is what this program is is trying to get to. So yeah. if you can be in this once every five years in this situation, I think you're in a really really good spot. And certainly, once every ten years, the expectation would be to be in a college football playoff game. Well. Uh, of 16 teams? Of 16. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Once, every four, years, no. once, every, once every 10 years. Once every 10 years in a 16-team format, absolutely that would be an expectation. Once every 10 years. Yes. That's For a, sure. That's a fair thing. We, we only have one season all time that we can really look at to know whether BYU can hang with that type of schedule. Right. It was last year. Yeah. You're right. It was last year. And BYU totally did, which is exciting. So you're talking about trajectory. Yes. It's not where you've been. It's where you're going. Right. And that's exciting. Um, in the, next year certainly won't be what the last two years and this this year is. The, it's going to be a new challenge for BYU being in the Big 12, losing a lot of big pieces. But the hope is that BYU can replenish and then in 2024 get after it and see where we're at. And maybe 25, BYU is competing for a conference championship. Maybe 24, I don't know. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Ram presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It was mentioned earlier, but let's go back to it. Regarding the yet-to-be-negotiated Big 12 TV deal starting in 2025, probably negotiated next summer, Fiddler Athletic Director Mac Rhodes tells 365 Sports, he is really, quote, really optimistic we, Big 12, will be at the same level in terms of last season of the Big 12 contract or better. It was 42.6 million. Is that a bit optimistic to you? Mm, yes and no. And I alluded to it in the opening segment, but I feel like just because the world is inflating financially, like how much is 42.6 million per team worth when they get to that new TV deal in 2025, is it more like 35 million or more like 32 million? How much, like how much, how much is inflation impacting this? So it's nice to think about right now, like, oh, in 2022, 42.6 million per team, that's gonna stay the same when the, the new Big 12 is all in place, great, yeah. But there's inflation, right? So maybe it's not worth as much as the actual number that we're looking at. Feels like that'd be a really high infl inflation. I also wonder how long they want that TV deal to be and what that looks like, because guess what? We're gonna know yeah. in, in the next couple months or year, obviously, what the Pac-12 looks like or not, so that maybe that you add, you may add value yeah. from other big profile. Uh, John Wilner told us that we should know by the start of the college football season, have a good idea of what that deal is going to be for the Pac-12. August 4th is the uh, the end of the primary negotiations with ESPN and Fox as the current writer. 
How about this video of a tiki ali a tiki as we move from football TV deals to the hard court in basketball? He's slapping the top of the backboard. David Thompson, is that you? It's like 12 feet. On a scale of one to 10, how impressed are you? Why is it one to 12? Uh, David Thompson, by the way, uh, they said that uh, he would uh, he would uh, leave a dollar up there and take four quarters down from the top of the backboard. <laughs> uh, how impressed am I? Uh, very. It's more impressive if he, if he like touches it and dunks it. Didn't Dwight Howard do that or something? But like, that's crazy athletic. I'm excited to see his development. Obviously, super raw, just played a couple years. But he's going to be a, a big player on this team this year yeah. at center. Well, they've doubled down because they, their roster is set. He's literally the only five he, on the team. He's the five. He's, he's the, the only center, one. Right? No uh, pressure. Man, I, it's hard for me not to say 12, right? Because it's a 12-foot jump. I'm very impressed, but mostly I hope that just means rim protection and a ton of block shots. Don't act like you're not impressed. A video of a dude kicking targets is making the rounds, and some people think it's Fred Warner. In fact, Cobb Minoy tweeted, Fred Warner, tell him stop. It definitely <laughs> looks like him, but it's not. Or is it? Oh, Fred, Fred's bigger than that guy, for sure. Not saying Fred isn't as athletic right, as that guy. he's got the same hairdo. But that is next level training. That takes so years of training to be able to do that stuff. I think Fred can do this next summer. Fred, let's go. Let's go, baby. <laughs> it's definitely not Fred, but that's hilarious. It's not Fred. An unbelievable kick is true. It's, it's fun, fun to think about it. That's, that's, that's not Fred. It's not Fred. Fred got married. You know, he's relaxing on the beach somewhere before Fred training camp. Fred ain't kicking. I guess, I guess they're back in training camp now. But, he was yeah. kicking it, not kicking the Ex target. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Notre Dame revealed they will be wearing white with gold trim uniforms for their Shamrock Series game in Las Vegas against BYU and did so with a remake video from the movie The Hangover. So which Not Vegas- Not often seen by this audience. Which Vegas-based, hey, it's edited on TNT. Which Vegas-based movie <laughs> should BYU spoof to reveal their uniform combo? This audience loves the Ocean movie, yeah. specifically Ocean, Ocean 11. Ocean's 11. Where they talk about the Mormon twins. Yeah, there are natural ties there. And Scott Conn's character, Turk Malloy, asks, uh, you know, Sal Bloom, have you ever been to Provo? <laughs> What if Tom Homo asked Jack Swarbrick, the AD of Notre Have Dame. you ever been to Provo? Because you're not <laughs> playing the game here. That'd be fun. Have you ever been to Provo? But serious question though, uh, what what uni should BYU wear? Like uh, they got to wear blue, right? They got to wear blue. Absolutely. It, it's just a question of is it, uh, is it the Royal AD? Is it the All Royal? Is it a mix? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, yeah All Royal and then the white with royal helmets. I don't know. I'll, Maybe I, they have something special. I love all those combos. I don't really care. Like an all, I think, all tan with blue. Just kidding. Remember on April Fools who put out the tan jersey? It actually looked all right. Now, no, knowing Billy Nixon and uh, the cohort over there, I feel like they've got something special up there. The cover. Based, based on what has happened here at Notre Dame, BYU's going to do something special. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We now welcome in to offer some perspective on conference realignment and the Big 12 and much, much more, the host of the Locked On Big 12 podcast, Josh Neighbors. Josh, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, let's talk about what came out kind of during Big 10 Media Days and more of the 16-team playoff conversation, which is fun. Do you feel like that's an inevitability, or do you think it, it may go to 8 or 12 before it gets to 16? 
Yeah, th- there was some irony with having Kevin Warren be the one who said, hey, I- I've heard 16 out there <laughs> after he shot down 12 last year. Um, you know, I actually hadn't heard too – I mean, 16 had been tossed around, right? But I hadn't heard too many people speaking about 16. I- I- that wasn't a big thing. I mean, I-, I think that 12 model that Craig Thompson, Bob Bowlesby, Jack Swarbrick, and uh, also Greg Sankey put together – was a pretty strong model in my opinion. I like rewarding conference champions. I, I like rewarding, you know, maybe a, a G5 group as well. But obviously with conference realignment, who gets rewarded really has changed. So, you know, the, I think the hope for the Big 12 is that they get a seat at this table. Uh, I think they should. I mean, think about it last year. Like if there was a 12-team playoff last year, the Big 12 would have put two teams in that. Baylor and Oklahoma, or Baylor and Oklahoma State rather, would have both been in there. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not in a rush to go from four to sixteen. Maybe we do it eventually, but I thought twelve was kind of a nice place to do it. Um, and I'm hoping whatever model we do get, we get some campus games. That's kind of a big thing for me because I'm tired of these of these events in these big NFL stadiums where it feels like a more corporate event than it does, you know, Notre Dame versus Alabama or a Cincinnati versus Alabama or Georgia versus Michigan. I don't like those kind of corporate atmospheres. I want some campus games. I think it's interesting that, you know, obviously we don't know what criteria would follow, whether it's 12 or in this circumstance is 16. You know, we, we don't know if, if there would be automatic qualifiers. I think most of us assume that there would be. It makes sense. I think you'd have a lot of people upset if there weren't. But do you think uh, AQs would help or hurt the Big 12, Big 12 chances of getting into a a 16-team college football playoff? The only circumstance in which it would hurt them is if the AQs were – it was multiple AQs in the same conference that wasn't the Big 12, right? So, like, if it were the Big 10 West and Big 10 East or whatever they're going to call the divisions when they have, you know, 20 teams in it, if if it's the Big 10 West champion and the Big 10 East champion both get in – and the champion of the Big Ten in the, in the conference championship game gets the bye, right? Like if that were the way that you were doing it, that could potentially hurt the Big 12. But as long as there are AQs, I definitely don't think it's going to be a negative for the Big 12 if, if they're included in that. Now, maybe you know the one way it could hurt them is if the committee says, well, we already filled our quota of Big 12 teams. We're not sure there's more than one deserving team and, you know, Let's just say like last year, Baylor is at five and gets the AQ. And then they say, well, do we do we think Oklahoma State's really that good? You know, is, is that conference really that good? That could be the way it hurts them for secondary teams. Obviously, automatically getting somebody in uh, would be helpful, generally speaking, especially after what we've seen. But I think it's 16. Like you're going to have to have AQs. There's there's no way you have a 16 team playoff without having some AQs in there. Uh, I, I don't think you could just, you know, seed them all one through 16. I, I don't think that would appease too many people, but we'll see. I mean, Greg Sankey and, and uh, Kevin Warren seem to be the ones kind of calling the shots now, and they've kind of almost publicly acknowledged that. Yeah, there's no, like, uh, commissioner of college football, but those two sort of form the uh, the pa- most powerful two. If the you brain trust. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to talk yes. about parity in the Big 12. So the Pac-12 has been criticized the last several years for not having a dominant team eating their own, if you will, not spitting out a team that even makes the playoff. And if they do, it's not that competitive. Washington 2016, for example. The Big 12, I'm excited about the parity of it, but also there's a little bit of danger in that you may not have that dominant program that can hang at that top level. What's your perception of how the league is going to perform and who that top team will be, perhaps, and how how they do win Oklahoma and Texas leave? 
Yeah. So, I mean, Oklahoma, you know, you have them with the run of six straight conference titles through 2015 all the way through 2020, right? I mean, they they were the, the top dogs uh, uh, in this conference. And then you get Baylor last year. And I think what's interesting with Baylor is they were picked to finish first in the conference this year. They have a really difficult schedule, including a road game at BYU. It's coming up in the second week of the season. I'm pretty pumped for that game. I'm sure you guys are as well. Um, I, I think they're kind of in the catbird seat because when you think about Baylor football the last few years or last like decade or so, they've had three separate coaches who have performed really well there. I mean, Art Bryles, you know, say what you want about Art Bryles, and I've got plenty to say about that, but as a coach did a really good job. Then you obviously you had Matt Rule, who is now with the Carolina Panthers, did a great job there with Baylor as well. And then you have Dave Aranda come in and now, you know, he has a great season, wins the big 12 championship. So to me, I think Baylor is kind of in that position because we've seen them succeed over the last decade or so. Oklahoma State's been the most consistent over the last two decades because of what Mike Gundy has built. So I think they've got a really good chance to be up there too. And then I am very curious to see what happens with the new schools that you bring in. I think Houston has a chance. I think Cincinnati has a chance as long as Luke Fickle stays there. UCF, you never know what they could concoct with. Obviously, Gus Malzahn there. So I think all those schools have a chance, but if I were to pick one to kind of be the top dog, I would say it's Baylor in the lead. But I think as you know, this conference is going to be competitive, and that's what's going to be fun about the conference. Um, but I, you know, I don't think we all just want the conference to be competitive. We want it to be competitive in a nationally relevant way, where everybody's not just like, oh, it's a fun ten and two. The same way, you know, an American team could be viewed as a fun ten and two. No, we want to be taken seriously, even if there is some parity in the league. Josh, this year it's about the Big Ten making decisions and then the Pac-12 having to react to those. A year ago, it was the SEC making decisions and then the Big 12 having to make their decisions. And look, maybe it's somewhat self-serving to say this, but obviously we think they did a pretty good job on how they rebounded and brought in the schools. So this year compared to last year, where do you feel the Big 12 is and what type of player do you expect them to be in terms of conference realignment moving forward? Yeah, I think they're fine. I mean, you think about where we were last year. Yikes, there was some serious, serious anxiety from a lot of parties about the survival of the conference. But in kind of the long run, like it's actually good that it happened when it did. It gave them the inside edge because the best brands of the board were UCF, were BYU, were Cincinnati, and were Houston. And actually, luckily for, for you know, the conference, I mean, uh, 12 and two was Houston. And then also Cincinnati made a playoff run and BYU had another really good season. And then UCF, obviously they had their issues because, you know, Dylan Gabriel getting injured, but still it ended up having actually a pretty nice season uh, record wise. So I think they're still in a good spot. I, I believe that. And look, they're going to be in player and conference realignment. They're not going to have the first choice, but to me, you know, the, the one, like the one advantage that PAC 12 honestly has, and this is being pointed out is that the PAC 12 after dark games, are just by themselves, which has given them some massive advantage. You're seeing all these articles written about the television advantage that these West Coast schools have. You know, uh, Washington State is more viewed than Oklahoma State, right? Why? They're on 11 o'clock every night. So like, really how much of a brand advantage is that? You know, and I think the, I think the question is, could the Big 12 absorb those schools and also play some games later on at night to maintain those television windows? Because... The Pac-12 is not liking what they are seeing, 
uh, from in terms of like the money they're being offered. So could the Big 12 dip into that television window if they dip into the Pac-12 is actually a big question that I've had the last few days. And then also, are Oregon and Washington going to be snatched up by the by the Big Ten? That's a huge question because those are the two best brands to me left on the board. The Big 12 could snag those. It would be fantastic. But I, I think the Pac-12 is, you know, John Wilner has been saying it's four teams away from, from getting – collapsed i think of oregon and washington go it's pretty much death sentence i mean you could you can you can put the nail in the coffin or if the four corner schools get taken by the big 12 that's also nail in the coffin too for that conference we're talking to josh neighbors of the locked on big 12 podcast i feel the same if two teams go you're down to eight and who are you going to add that that keeps you power five maybe you still are i don't know but san diego state has entered the conversation according to dennis dodd with some sources sources take them for what it's worth should the Big 12 proactively try and get a San Diego State and or other teams uh, that aren't in the Pac-12 before the Pac-12 perhaps adds? Because it feels like the Big 12 obviously have said, hey, we're open for business, right? Uh, but they do. does the Big 12 need to expand to, to uh, you know, plunder uh, the, the Pac-12? Or does San Diego State need to come in before? It would certainly be nice if they they did expand, but they, they don't need it. Like there is a reason why the Big Twelve walked away from an all-out merger with the Pac-12. They actually don't straight up need that to happen for them. So that is, you know, that, that they are in a position of power with that. I'll tell you what, guys, the San Diego State faithful have been in the mentions. They have been in the DMs. <laughs> they have been on commenting on YouTube. They they want in. They want to see at the table. I don't blame them. Obviously, they're in a you know they're in a market in San Diego. It's one of the you know larger markets. Uh, it's kind of out there, available right now to to potentially go to, um, and good both football and basketball programs. So I, I think that they're in play. And I I think the one thing to be careful with is this: like taking somebody to take them off the board makes sense only if you can make sure on the back end you're getting the teams in that you want because if what's going to happen here is the big 12 is just splitting up the pie not increasing the value and it's you know it's it's basically becoming more teams less overall value in the television contract that's not necessarily a good thing so you have to make sure that you're making the moves for the you know i know everything the right reasons kind of out the door but like the right financial reasons right you have to make sure that you're consolidating uh kind of power when you make this move if you get san diego state in arizona you kind of want a utah and arizona state to go with it or a colorado and somebody else or, or however many schools you could pluck or plunder to use that term so you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons but i i know there are plenty of san diego state fans out there who they would love to get in the big 12. And we've heard from them for a long time uh, in the WAC and in the Mountain West. And so Are you hear from them very, all the time. Very familiar with uh, the, the show. The vocal group. It's yep. a vocal group. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Josh, we appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck with uh, covering all of this, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure, guys. Anytime. Josh Neighbors of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Great perspective there, and it's interesting because obviously San Diego State wants to be in this show, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. But uh, I'm just happy BYU's in, and yes. we hope that okay, the Big 12 can be equal to or better than it is uh, as of now. Look, I agree 100% with what he said. Look, it, it sounds great that if you're going to go after, let's say for the sake of argument, that all of these sources that are out there, that San Diego State really is in play for both. Like if, if both want, 
the there's obviously there's obviously a reason why both want them. So if you can get them and it hurts the other side, that's great. But if bringing a team in ultimately dilutes finances overall, right. does it really make sense? I, I agree with his point there 100%. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Web Friends presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Fessy Satake making another appearance in the program today. That's, that's twice. I know. That's More two. Fessy. Jaron Hall and Fessy Satake both went golfing yesterday, and Jaron posted his score, which was quite impressive. Dude. Five over. Should Fessy be a better golfer than Jaron? Quarterbacks have game, dude. They do. Like, it's the hips thing, I think. That's what I've been told. Seriously. When the, when the ex-amazing quarterback factory shows up and they play, they can all play. Um, no, Jaron should be better than Fessy because quarterback. But I have not seen in any facet of life where Fessy is not amazing. He's just good at everything. Fessy's good at everything. Should he be better? I, I don't know. Like everybody's got their own, you know, you're as good as, as, good as you want to be. So I, 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 I don't know if I have an opinion on this so much, but I like what you said. The quarterbacks, quarterbacks tend to be pretty good at golf. So it doesn't surprise me that Jaron shot the impressive five over. Like, beware the backup quarterback who stinks at golf. Because <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be a good at quarterback. Now that most of the major college football award watch lists have been announced, which BYU player named to a watch list has the best chance of actually winning that award? BYU will sweep the awards this year. Oh, my God. I'm done. Go ahead. Take it over. No, uh, no, um, look, I mean, I don't think, I think the kicking awards, I think, are the ones I go to because we know how good uh, Rico and Oldroyd are. I'm actually going to go with Ryan Rico, the Ray guy. I love Ryan Rico. You know I love Ryan Rico. Yes. Um, I also want to mention Blake Freeland as a chance, as if, if BYU has a great year, I'm talking like 11 and 1, 12 and 0, like amazing. Blake Freeland's gonna be everywhere, all over stuff. He's got a shot because he's a first round type talent right now. Blake Freeland is going to make a lot of money playing football. Yes. A lot of money playing football in the National Football League. He is, uh, yeah, he, he he is the best offensive lineman BYU has had in a minute. Clark Barrington, amazing yes. guard. He's got a lot. Yes. I think from this group of kind of the top seven alignment, we're going to see three or four in the NFL. Look, and but and here's the in thing. In the next couple of years. Here's the thing that's exciting about that. To that point, we're, I, I think we're at a point with that position specifically where we're not going to be surprised now when multiple players on BYU's offensive line start getting this type of attention. And because this, is, this type of talent is just coming into the program, and it's being yes. replenished by other high-level talent. This is where BYU needs to be if it's going to be successful in the Big 12. you got to have a quarterback that is draftable, and then number two is nice, right? That close. But Jaron Hall, do it again, then get another one. And then O-lineman. If you can put other positions in there, great, but like you'll always be good if you have a good O-line and a yep. good quarterback. Always. All right, yesterday we showed a video of Atiki Ali Atiki jumping and touching the top of the backboard. Reminded me of when I did it. I never did it. Excuse me? Then BYU Basketball posted a video of Atiki doing vertical testing, and it was oh really impressive. Uh, what do you want to see Atiki jump in the next social media video? I want him to jump over uh, St. Mary's gym. 
because it's so small, I think. <laughs> so instead of jumping out of the gym, you want him hey, jumping over the gym. I'm going to steal your idea from this morning on our call uh, over Mark Few. <laughs> okay. I want him to pull a Blake Griffin and jump over a Kia. Over a Kia. Yeah. You're a Kia guy. Look, I have. I know somebody that has a Kia if he would like to jump over it. You're, you're willing to risk it? No, my, daughter has, my daughter has a Kia. Oh, okay. So. Just in case he lands on the windshield. <laughs> oh. In high school, I jumped and landed on my own windshield and totally broke it. You know all those videos of people like when the car's coming at them and then they try and like jump over and Which most of them miss half the and get time their like knees clipped? Oh my gosh, yes. Like reconstructive surgery. <laughs> yeah. Or the one with Kobe that was totally fake. Yeah. I think Nike did or something. Or was it? Or was it? As mentioned in headlines, BYU pitcher Ryan Brady signed with the Milwaukee Brewers as a free agent, totaling five Cougs from last season. Uh, at the pro level. Will BYU be able to re replace that talent loss for next season? Um, I, I think the answer is yes. And look, of the, the players that left, you're talking mostly about pitching. It's the pitching depth and that BYU had last year. Now granted, they lose some really important pieces of their relievers. Obviously, Ryan got a start as once, but I, I think they have the guys there very much like what we were talking about with the offensive line with BYU football. That was a strength for this team last year because of the sheer numbers and depth and talent that they have at those positions. So I think they're going to be just fine. Trent Pratt uh, is, is got his work cut out for him in recruiting, but a new era of BYU baseball. It, it, I, I'm happy about the fact that BYU had four picks and a free agent. You want guys going yeah. to the next level. That's a recruiting tactic. And a lot and of two people- Two guys in, the, in top 10 rounds. Incredible. Yes. And, and uh, Andrew Pintar in the fifth, despite only playing 17 games, like unbelievable. Ty Nielsen going in the eighth round of the, the Pirates. Hey, shout out to Spanish Fork, both those guys. <laughs> Los Dons. Yeah, I, it's, it, it really is exciting. And now, look, and the recruits that are coming in, Year after year after year, I keep hearing it's the best recruiting class we've had. And next year, it's the best recruiting class we've had. They're continuing to do this. That's why I feel very, very confident. Even though you lost a lot of talent, they're going to be able to replenish that with talent. And Big 12 baseball, bigger challenge. Without question. There's no, no, no doubt about that. And there's some leagues that it's a lesser challenge. Like in women's soccer, it's actually not as good as the WCC. Right. But baseball, in almost every league, it's going to be tough. Yep, no question. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We're live in Studio C. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. We now welcome to the show, because he's got time for us, and we've got time for we him. We always have time for Dennis. We just... Run out. Super Bowl champion, former BYU great, Dennis Pitta. Dennis, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you making time. Can I, can I give Jaron one quick uh, compliment, a rare compliment? Sure. I think your hair looks really, really good this morning. Oh, thanks, the man. The part is sharp. The cloth <laughs> is tight. It just it looks good. I'm, Thank you. You know, you're picking I yourself up, and I... I think uh, I think a compliment is deserved. Thank you. I don't I don't quite have the vertical volume uh, that you have. I, I do want to ask: Is that a Bob Ross behind you? <laughs> um, no, this is a uh, Linda Pitta original somewhere behind me. There. Oh, not. <laughs> um, are you trying to allude to the fact that yes, I'm living with my parents right now? I did not know um, that. You did it. Okay. Well, we talked about it in the break. Well, and, uh, <laughs> this is TV magic, Dennis. <laughs> I think you were trying to embarrass me, and yes, I am living with my parents, okay? 
Uh, I just recently graduated college. I'm back with my parents. I'm just trying to get <laughs> my feet underneath me. And, uh, but things are trending in the right direction for me. So uh, I appreciate you asking. There are easier ways to get babysitters, right? <laughs> I'll tell you, it is nice to have built-in babysitters. Yes. But um, we have like a three-month-old. So it's still tough to leave her with, with anybody. True. You need but, that quiet um, room at the movie theater. Yeah, we, we recently moved to California, so we're living in Carlsbad right now. Ooh. We're waiting on our house to be finished and uh, live with my parents with four kids, and it's it's an exciting time for the family. <laughs> well, Dennis, we're, we're doing really well. Thanks for coming on the show. We just wanted the life update. We didn't want to ask about anything else. So, uh, As a matter of fact, I, appreciate I, the time. Ben was worried that I wasn't going to get on the Zoom in time because I'm on my parents' computer, and I had to download Zoom onto their computer, so it took me some extra time. And uh, we're here. We made it. Technology is hard, and uh, we overcame it. Listen, one day I would like to have a Wikipedia page, but uh, I'm going to go to yours today and edit it and say, lives with parents. It's like Super Bowl <laughs> champ, NC Records, lives with parents. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a steep drop-off for me over the last handful of years. Yeah, but, but here we are. Dennis Pitta joining us over Zoom from his parents' house in Carlsbad, California, while he waits for his home in Orange County to be built. Okay, Dennis, now that we've got all the important stuff out of the way, I, I do need to ask about one thing because you left a relationship in Arizona coaching with your brother-in-law, Max Hall, and your good friend, Ty Detmer, at American Leadership Academy. So is there coaching in the future for you in Carlsbad in Southern California, or, or is that just an Arizona thing? No, I think at some point I'll, I'll end up coaching uh, out in Orange County. I, I don't live far from John Beck, and he's already put in the – full court press on me to come and, and coach with him. He helps out at St. Clemente High School, which is, you know, where Isaac Rex is from. Byron Rex is a the coach there. John's helps as the quarterback coach. And um, so at some point, I think I, I, I may venture down there and, and help coach. I've already talked with their head coach there. So I coached a lot of special teams too with Max and, and, and Ty out in, uh, at ALA in Arizona. And, uh, John reached out to me like a couple months ago. He's like, hey, our special teams coordinator just left. We need you to come be our special teams coordinator in San Clemente. And I was like, John, I'm not even going to be living out there. I'm not commuting <laughs> 45 minutes from Carlsbad up there just to be your special teams coach when I don't even have a son in the program yet. So just hold your horses. I'll get there at some point. But um, I, uh, I have to just wait a little bit. High school coaching actually takes up a, a lot of time, especially when you're an unpaid volunteer and you're trying to justify to your wife that you need to still be there every afternoon. <laughs> um, but it, it's a ton of fun. I do, I do want to continue doing that at some point, but I think I'll take, you know, a year or two off and, uh, you know, try and get my feet underneath me. I got to, you know, move into a house. I got to get out of my parents' basement. And, uh, so things have to kind of turn around for me before I can commit to that. We're talking to Dennis Pitta, who lives with his parents and is oh on sabbatical God. from high school special teams coordinator coaching on BYU. <laughs> Dennis, we're talking unpaid about... Unpaid volunteer, yes. Yeah, unpaid volunteer. Uh, sounds like us the last uh, 10 years here. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to recruiting, we were talking about when BYU will kind of take this... We think they'll take a jump in the Big 12 in terms of talent. The recruiting rankings have not been favorable, generally speaking, for BYU the last six or seven years. Um, when and, and how, uh, when will BYU take a jump, if you think that, and uh, how, will we, how will we quantify that, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, recruiting is always difficult. I don't, I don't think BYU will ever take this momentous leap 
into a different stratosphere as far as recruiting goes, I think you're always going to kind of be in that same echelon. Now the big 12 will help for sure. I mean, there's that, that will draw more people being able to be on that big of a stage and, and compete at that, you know, power five conference level. Um, but I, I think recruiting is going to kind of stay, stay where it is for the most part. I just think at BYU, it's a unique place. You have to have a certain type of player, a certain type of individual. And, uh, you know, we've seen in the past and just kind of bring in anybody in, you know, I think in the Croton era comes to mind and it just doesn't always work properly. No matter how talented the kid is, I think there's a certain um, element, you know, in, in their personality and in kind of, you know, their, uh, you know, their value system and all that, that has to align. And so it, it does attract a unique recruit. Um, which I think is a, a great thing for BYU, but it's also a challenge for recruiting, obviously. And you're not going to always get, you know, all these five-star and four-star recruits to come there. Um, but that being said, you can get, you know, a handful of those guys and, and get some other guys into the program that you can kind of build and develop and, and, and still have a really successful program like we've seen over the last handful of years. If it's generally the same, like you said, do you feel like BYU can win a Big 12 title or does it have to get to a certain level to actually win that? I think we've seen teams in the past that, that would have been right there. I, I think, you know, I go back to, to the John Beck couple of years that, that he was the quarterback. Then with Max Hall and our group, I think, you know, and, and even just a couple of years ago, Zach and those guys, I think the talent is there. I, I, I don't think you're going to have a consistent, you know, every year competitive team that's going to, you know, push for a big 12 championship. But I think you're going to have teams every so often that will, will rise to that level and you'll have kind of the right talent around each other and the right guy at quarterback, and you'll be able to make a push for that. It's not going to be easy. I mean, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think you absolutely can compete for that. And, um, you know, and when you have a special group in there, you've got, you know, an old senior quarterback or a, an experienced quarterback, you can make a run at it. Dennis Pitt is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's focus in on the BYU tight end specifically. And I'd like to talk about Isaac Rex, who, by the way, since we're talking recruiting, he was part of the 2017 class. He was a three-star. That class was ranked 63rd overall. Okay? Okay. So Isaac Rex, all the way back in 2017, here we are in 2022, Dennis, and he's on some NFL radars for sure, uh, including Mel Kuyper of ESPN. He says he's one of BYU's top four NFL prospects. What are your expectations for a guy like Isaac Rex in 2022? Well, I, I don't put a lot of stock into uh, stars coming out of high school. But as you guys know, I think I was a zero-star recruit, and it worked out all right for me. Yes, it did. Um, I don't know. You're living so at home. Three star, I would have taken three stars. Three stars sounds pretty good right now compared to where I came from. <laughs> um, but, you know, recruiting such a crapshoot. I mean, you can never – who knows who really is a five-star, four-star, three-star. So much is circumstance. So much is where you play. So much is the competition you're playing against. Anyways, I, I don't put a lot of stock into that. But that being said, um, yeah, I, I think Isaac Rex is, is absolutely an NFL guy and uh, should be getting the attention that he's getting right now. He had a monster freshman year and he had injuries last year, and, and they just didn't quite get the tight end involved like we had all had hoped um, the previous season. But, you know, he's a guy that should be on everybody's radar. And, and you know, he, he suffered a gruesome injury, and hopefully he can come back 100% from that and, and be the same guy that we saw him in you know two years ago with Zach Wilson and catching all those tight ends or all those touchdowns and that's really his greatest strength because he's a, a massive red zone target and threat and somebody that you have to account for when you get down closer to the end zone because he's just such a big body he's got great hands he can catch the ball away from his frame 
and, and create difficult matchups in, in tight windows back yeah. there, which we saw him do uh, with Zach as his quarterback. And so I love Isaac and his potential, but I think when you talk about the tight ends as a whole at BYU right now, I think you have to include Dallin Holker in that mix. And he's worked extremely hard. He's a guy that can really be a downfield threat and somebody who can catch a ton of balls this year. Um, I saw him in the offseason. He was out there. He had his wife catching jug machines for him or shooting <laughs> nice. jugs off to him, and he's catching it. And, uh, you know, he's just out there all by himself. He's a guy who's been putting in the work, um, you know, away from the, the team stuff and and a guy that's really trying to get himself ready for a big season and you talk to the coaches there and i think they all really want to get him involved they understand the talent level there and what he can bring to the table and the mismatches he can create with his speed and his athleticism and so with isaac and with dallin those two guys could really be a great tandem at tight end and i'm excited to watch both of them on the field 100 percent. those guys are studs okay let's ask you about matt bushman he Almost uh, made the playoff roster due to some injuries with the Chiefs. He was at least in the box for the Super Bowl, had a great seat there. What's the key for Matt Bushman to be able to stick in the NFL? Yeah, I've had a couple conversations with Matt about kind of the NFL and all that stuff. A lot of it was as a, as a guy who's kind of on the back end of the depth chart on tight end, which he's going to be entering as an undrafted free agent. Um, you have to be a special teams player. You have to be a dude that they can put out on the field in special teams because that adds value to you. You can't just be a, a one-dimensional player when you're not the starter, especially at the tight end position. If you're not a core special teams player, there's not a lot of justification they'll have to keep you on the roster. Now, that being said, you know I, I told him to focus a lot on special teams, but also to be able to make it in the NFL, you have to do something really, really well. And I don't think anybody's expecting Matt to go out there and be a punishing blocker. I certainly wasn't. That wasn't part of my game. That wasn't something that I was even asked to really do. But what you have to do is, is do something really well. And what Matt does really well is his ability to go up and make tough catches. And a lot like I talked about Isaac, Matt can go up and he's got great hands. He can go up and, and catch the ball away from his body. He can catch it over people. He can make those tough contested catches. And that's something he does really, really well. And that's what he has to focus on. And that's the thing he has to show at practice day in and day out, that he can go up and even though he's covered, he can make a tough catch because that's a valuable thing in the NFL. And that's something you don't get a lot of separation in the NFL, but if you can make tough catches, they'll find a spot for you. And I think if Matt can just do that and, and continue to get better at that thing that he's already really, really good at, he'll find a place in the NFL. And I've talked to Chad Lewis a couple of times and it seems like it's going really well for him. And uh, hopefully he can find a home and, and find a spot and, and find a way to get on the field. BYU on a mission to become tight end university once again. Dennis Pitt is certainly a large part of that. Who knows, maybe this is the next wave with Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker and Matt Bushman we just talked about. We'll see. Dennis, thanks for joining us live from your parents' basement. Uh, we know how busy you are on this sabbatical as a special teams coordinator. <laughs> I'm an unemployed special teams coordinator, and uh, <laughs> my parents don't have a basement. But, yes, oh, I'm on the true. first floor of two floors and uh, <laughs> it's going really well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm glad we could have a civil conversation. Yeah. Your hair looks phenomenal. Spencer, you're my favorite as always. <laughs> I hope you guys do well. You got Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Dennis. Great you're to welcome. catch up with you, but we'll do it again soon. All right. Dennis Take Pitter. Care, you too. <laughs>
<laughs> Shout out to Linda. Did an excellent uh, painting. In the <laughs> I mean, that was f fun fact. Paul James, incredible artist. Longtime Voice of the Cougars on KSO Radio. Yeah, yeah. Incredible artist. His house went to his house one time. Chuck full of his awesome paintings. It, just incredible. So pressure's on Greg Rubel. Uh, no, come on, Greg. The paint. Where, where's, where's your artistry, <laughs> man? His artistry is uh, is smoking <sighs> on Twitter. Outside of that. <laughs> That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.